Praise God. Amen. I, I like worshiping. Amen. Don't you? Amen. I like to enter the presence of the Lord, see the glory of God manifested. Yes. Praise God. Amen. Well, I, I want to personally thank Pastor Randy for the invitation to come tonight and to share with you the Word of God. Um, I'm more of a teacher than a, than a preacher so I hope you all brought your Bibles, and if you, uh, if you have, then we'll, uh, we'll learn something together as the Holy Spirit teaches us. When uh, Jake started leading that uh, last song, Hallelujah, I really expected Ricky Nelson to walk out on the stage. You know, that beach, you know, that, that took me back. Hallelujah. Amen. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Amen. The Apostle Paul said, I came to you not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I believe that we need to see more of a demonstration of the Spirit of God in the church today, don't you? We need to see more, more people healed, delivered, set free, restored, marriages put back together, children coming back to the Lord. We need to see all of that. And uh, it requires a yielding to the Holy Spirit, of course, and allowing Him to use us to bring that manifestation into the house of God, not only in the house, but also in our individual lives. Uh, I heard uh, Brother Copeland say one time that he was ministering overseas, and uh, the service was beginning about uh, 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and he leaned over. They were sitting on the stage back then. That's what they did. Um, and he leaned over and asked the pastor, he said, Now, how long do you want me to go today? How, how long should I take? And uh, he said the pastor looked at his watch and said, Well, let him out from 2 to 3 for lunch. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to preach that long or teach that long. But uh, if you have your Bibles, um, open them with me to the 18th chapter of John's Gospel, John chapter 18. While you're turning there, let me just say it's so good to see many of our friends, the Yurick family and uh, Betty Jennings. They were uh, members of our church and worshiped together and just excellent, excellent people, quality people. And so I, I know they're going to be a blessing and have been a blessing to, to the Open Bible Church here. Also, my sister, Ruth, is with us tonight. And, of course, Linda, my wife, praise the Lord. Thank God for good wives. Amen. This, uh, this November, we will celebrate 50 years of, of marriage. And it's, it's been a delightful road. Glory to God. Amen. We uh, celebrated uh, Passover, I'm sorry, Pentecost this past Sunday. And, uh, of course, we all know what that represents. And so I I just want to kind of um, elaborate a little bit on that tonight. We we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, don't we? We need Him every day. Um. There's a, uh, there was a shoe salesman who, uh, from Chicago 
who was saved in a New York City revival years and years ago. And uh, he got so full of God that when he went back home to his church, he asked if he could teach a Sunday school class. And the pastor said, well, you go out uh, on the street and you uh, win people. And when you have enough to fill up a classroom, then you can teach. And you know what? He did. He did. And uh, he became one of the world's greatest soul winners, Dwight L. Moody. And you know, he refused to go to bed at night. He refused to go to sleep at night until he had won at least one person to Jesus. He would not go to, he would not go to bed at night. God, give us that, that, that passion for souls. Amen. Stir us up, Lord, the same as you did Dwight L. Moody. The uh, gift of the Holy Spirit is the second greatest gift that God has given to the church. The second greatest gift. Of course, the first is Jesus and salvation. But uh, without the empowerment of the Spirit, we have no authority. We can't act in the authority that's, that God has given to us. The power of God activates the authority. And uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power. Somebody say power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall receive power. Now, notice that he said, when the Spirit comes upon you. Before the Spirit can come upon, he comes within, doesn't he? He comes within before he comes upon He comes to create a relationship before He empowers us for service. The relationship with God comes when the Lord enters our heart and begins to change us from the inside out. Now, we know that when the Holy Spirit comes, when Jesus said the Holy Spirit, uh, He will be with you and He will do what? He will live in you. So before he comes upon, he has to come within. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he said, know, know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. So we have to have that experience, that relational experience with God, having the Spirit come in us before he comes upon us. The indwelling of the Spirit refers to the new birth. Uh, if you remember in the 11th chapter of Luke's gospel, there's a parable known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, that, uh, that parable tells us that the man that was left to die, wounded, bleeding on the side of the road, and the Good Samaritan came by. And the Bible says he did two things. Into the man's wounds, he poured oil and wine. Oil represents the spirit within. The Holy Spirit comes within us to create a relationship with God. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. 
he also poured in the wine. The wine represents the infilling or the baptism in the Spirit. And you have to have both. You must have both in order to enhance the, the relationship that you have with the Lord. Amen? You have to have both. Just being saved or just knowing Jesus or just having uh, eternal life someday to look forward to is not enough to get you through this life. Many people have received uh, the, the spirit within, the oil, but they have never gone any further with that. They haven't gone farther and received the the spirit coming upon or the or the wine and because of that they live defeated lives and they can't understand well i'm a christian i love jesus i attend church i pay my tithe i'm a good church member i'm a good neighbor you know I, i'm friendly to my co-workers i don't have any enemies that i know of i'm a good person why can't i defeat the enemy in my life. Why can't I defeat the devil? Well, it's because they haven't received the Spirit upon. It's not enough just to be saved. It's not enough just to have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life and a promise of heaven someday. It's not enough. We have to be filled, receive that oil of the Spirit, the wine of the Spirit, the oil and the wine of the Spirit. Now, Dwight L. Moody, he experienced, had both experiences. If you ever read his, uh, uh, his writings, you'll find out that, that he not only received uh, the oil, but he received the wine. He not only received the spirit within, but the spirit upon. And that's how he had developed within him the passion that he had for souls. It wasn't so much a passion or a desire to win the lost. It was rather a passion and a desire to please God. Because we know that he that winneth the souls is what? Wise. And we know that, that the Bible instructs us to be soul winners, to win the lost. But we can't just go out. And, and, and so many Christians have failed in this because they, they have tried to go out, they knock on doors, or they, they go up to someone uh, just cold turkey and, and start talking about Jesus and they either get punched out or rejected or have the door slammed in their face. Well, you, you, we will never be effective soul winners for the Lord until we develop a passion for Him, a desire for His presence, to see His glory fill our life. And when that happens, like it did with Dwight L. Moody, then we'll go out and spill over on the world. And it won't be a job then. It won't be a task. It won't be such a labor to talk to people about Jesus. We'll have so much of the love for God in our hearts that it'll just spill out wherever we are. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because of, of his love and his passion for Jesus, 
God had given him an authorization. He had placed him in a position of authority. And not only him, but every person in this building tonight has that same authorization. We have that same authority. And you know how do we how we activate that? And I'm so 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 glad for the songs tonight and the worship songs because a couple of them talked about the name of Jesus, and that's how we activate the authority, the authorization that God has given to us is activated through the name of Jesus. If we don't understand what is incorporated in that name, we will never have the authority to cast out devils to speak with new tongues, to lay hands on the sick. We'll never have that. So we need the wine of the Spirit. Somebody say wine. The wine of the Spirit. Philippians 2. Well, let's go to John chapter 18. I had you turn there. John chapter 18. Now this is a familiar story in the Bible. And I'm sure that you are you know uh, about this story. It's when Jesus and his disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Jesus was in prayer. The disciples went to sleep. He came back three times and found them sleeping. He said, "What? Can't you wait with me or pray with me for one hour?" Um. And then Judas came along and kissed him along with the band of soldiers and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And there was a confront or, or an encounter, not a confrontation, but an encounter. And so that, that's where the story is. I, I want to pick up with verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse number 9. Uh, well, let's read through verse 11. You all have your Bibles open to John 18. Okay, here we go. When Jesus had spoken these words, now you have to back up and find out what words he's talking about when it says, when Jesus spoke these words. The 17th chapter of John is a recording from beginning to end of the prayer of Jesus. He prayed for himself and he also prayed for the church. He prayed for the people that the Father had given him. And so it says, after he had finished these words, or we could say after his prayer had ended, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidred, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew of the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Now, let me stop there and just uh, elaborate here just a moment on the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that the word Gethsemane means wine press. Uh, but also the, the, the Garden of Gethsemane was a place where Jewish men uh, grew crops in order to sell them to, uh, to merchants. And uh, Jesus and his disciples often went there. Uh, we'd call it hanging out today. They often went there for rest and relaxation. Now, I know that sometimes we're hard on those disciples, aren't we? My goodness, they fell asleep three times. I mean, once is is acceptable, two is excusable, three, come on. 
And, and we really get down on the disciples because they fell asleep. But when you stop to think that that's what they did every time that they went to this place, they, they laid down, they, they rested, they, they relaxed, they went to sleep. That's what they, that, that was the atmosphere. And that's what they were used to doing in this place. So when you have that understanding, then uh, you, you can back off some from being judgmental of the disciples because we would have probably done the same thing. Right? Why? Because we're creatures of habit. Amen. And so the, when, when Jesus led his disciples there, you know, and, and he was going there for a purpose, and the purpose was to pray, but uh, the disciples thought, well, wow, you know, we've been on these old dusty roads, and it's time to kick back for a while. Boy, I'm glad Jesus brought us to this place. And so they just laid down and, and, and sacked out. And it was a normal thing to do. We would probably do the same. Now let, let's pick up here in uh, verse number 3. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Now remember, they're coming after one man. Verse 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, notice what he says, whom are you seeking? Of whom are you seeking? Verse 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Verse 6, and when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, we're talking about a demonstration of power, right? Hallelujah. They fell back, or fell back and, and fell to the ground. Now, he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Now, the saying might be that the saying might be fulfilled, which was spoken of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Now, this was part of the prayer that Jesus prayed in the previous chapter. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me to drink? Eight times in the New Testament, Jesus proclaims himself as I am. I am. Three times in these verses alone, I am. Now, we're reminded when... Uh, uh, God was speaking with Moses on Mount Horeb, uh, and uh, Moses came before God, and God says, I want you to go, and, and I want you to approach or confront the, the uh, uh, Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. Well, Moses said, 
okay, but who am I going to say who sent me? I need some authorization here. I, I, I need somebody uh, to let people know who's, who's sending me. I, I need somebody to sponsor or somebody to put their name behind my action here so that they don't think it's me. And God said, tell them that I am, that I am has sent you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, that statement in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament, when God made that statement, whether it was God the Father or God the Son, it always triggered a reaction. Always. When God told Moses to go, they said, who sent you? I am has sent me. It resulted in two million people being delivered from Egyptian bondage. And in this situation where Jesus used that statement or made that statement three different times in these verses alone, I am, who do you seek? We seek Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. I am he. I am he. And when he made that statement, the soldiers flew back off of their feet and landed on their back, on the ground. Now, we have to understand that Bible scholars tell us that it wasn't just a small uh, quadrant of soldiers. There were between, there were between three and 400 soldiers present in that garden on that day. Between three and 400 Not to mention the Pharisees, the scribes, the elders, all of the religious folks that wanted Jesus eliminated. They were there too, and they all went back. All because of the statement of who Jesus is. Praise God. And we have received that same authorization from the Father to represent his son in the earth. And God has given us the authority to use that name, the name of Jesus. Demons flee at that name. It says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10, God has given him a name. Speaking of Jesus, that's above every name. That at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee, every tongue, every power, every demon, every sickness, every pain, hallelujah, will bow its knee to the name of Jesus. But see, if we don't know the authority that's invested in that name and that authority belongs to us today, then we will never be able to use it effectively in our own lives. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You ever notice it says that in Romans chapter 10? Uh, It doesn't say whosoever calls upon the Lord, but whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because that is the point of authority. That's where the authority lies. Praise God. It's in the name. It's in the name. Jesus got his name 
many ways, but one way it was through conflict. It was conquer the, conquering the devil. Praise God. Acts chapter 3. We know that story very well. It's where the, uh, the lame man was laid at the gate called Beautiful, the gate outside the temple. And he laid there. Peter and John came by. Peter said, look on us. Now, he didn't say look at us. He said, look on us. See, word, words are, are specific words in the Bible are important. If you're not careful, you, you look right over them. Look on us. Well, to look on them, they must have had something on them. You agree? They must have had something on them if Peter directed the man's attention to look on him. Didn't, don't look at us. Don't look to us. Look on us. Well, they did have something on it. It's called the anointing. The anointing of God was on them. They were, they, they were on their way to the prayer meeting, praise God. And they were there to, uh, you know, to, to, to call on the name of the Lord. But before they were able to get inside the temple gate, the man was lying there lame. And he said, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Yes. And as he went into the temple, leaping and shouting and praising God, they got in there and, and the Bible says they were all amazed. Now, you're talking about a Pentecost. Like this, this is after Pentecost, one chapter after. I mean, you're talking about a Pentecostal group. Maybe you're Pentecostal. <laughs> Spirit-filled folks. Bible-toting, devil-chasing, tongue-talking. They were all there, you know. They were all in there, and they were there to pray, pray the power down. And when the lame man that was healed by the power of God walked in there, they were all amazed. How could this be? Well, Peter said, it's by the name and faith in that name that made this man whole that you know and you see. They knew him. He, he, he was a daily thing. I mean, they laid him at that gate all the time. They knew who the man was. And they walked right past him. They walked right past him on into the, well, we can't be bothered with you. We got to go pray. Okay. So the man laid there and laid there. Until somebody that was not only filled with the oil, but they are also filled with the wine that had the authority and the power to address the issue in the man's life. And when they did, he was healed. Praise God. Jesus knew there in the garden that there was no amount of human force that could defeat him. He had already proven that at Calvary. He had already proven that. And he knew, he knew with the Father, his relationship with the Father, 
Nothing on this earth could defeat him. Don't we have the same spirit that Jesus had? Didn't Paul say if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body? We have that same spirit in us. We have that same power. We have that same authority. But yet many live defeated lives. Well, that's why Jesus willingly went with them. Absolutely nothing can resist the supernatural power that's invested in the name of Jesus. If you'll stand up against it. Now, Linda and I, we, we, we pray over our children daily. And uh, yesterday, uh, one of our sons has a, a mowing crew. They have like 80 or 90 customers, and so they, they're kept busy. And when they came back uh, and dropped off their equipment, they were on their way home, and they live in, in uh, Kettering here, uh, Kettering. And they uh, were coming down 675 about 5 o'clock. And, and uh, my grandson, my grandson, uh, who works with my oldest son, said, uh, well, would you mind driving through the Burger King so I could get a sandwich and take it home? So he did. He said, we'll, we'll, we'll just run through there. Well, they had no sooner got their order and pulled out of there that that, thing, that, that tornado came through. They missed that thing by five or ten minutes. Now, you say, well, that's real coincidental. No, that's not coincidence. See, we pray angelic protection over our children every day. We pray God's hand uh, resting upon them. Because we've learned that we have that authority. God has given us that authorization to interject the name of Jesus into their lives. Protection. Hallelujah. David Ingalls wrote a song years ago. I don't know if you've ever known, uh, knew, knew David Ingalls, but I guess he's still around. But uh, He wrote a song concerning the name of Jesus that's very, very powerful. I mean, the lyrics are just, just super powerful. And I'll just share a couple, uh, couple lines with you. Demons are helpless at the sound of that name, for they still remember Jesus put them to shame. All hell does tremble, for they must obey, and heaven stands at attention when you mention his name. Isn't that great? Woo! Hallelujah. That just makes you want to shout right there. Glory. Thank God. I want you to go with me uh, over to the, the uh, back to uh, Mark's gospel, if you will, if you have your Bibles handy there, the 14th chapter of Mark's gospel. And this is uh, basically the same situation in the garden. But Mark mentions another person that seemingly is left out in John's account. And so we want to look and see this person because he also is the subject of the power of God in manifestation. 
When Jesus said in, in, in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power, he was talking about an explosive type of power, dunamis, dynamite, an explosive, an explosive power. And when we receive the infilling of the Spirit, when we receive that wine, we receive that explosive power. And when we allow that, that, that power to, to, to be expressed or come out, uh, it just explodes on people. It causes miracles to happen. It brings the supernatural presence of God on the scene wherever you may be. And so let's look here in the 14th chapter of Mark. Do you have it there? Amen. Look at uh, the uh, 50. Well, let's, uh, let's back up a, a little bit and let's read this. Uh, let's begin with verse 43. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude of swords and clubs, came from the, uh, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he's the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. Now, isn't, that, isn't that nice that Judas was really uh, concerned about the safety of Jesus? As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of, uh, one of those who stood by drew the sword, of course we know that was Peter, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, have you come out, against, uh, have you come out as against a robber with uh, swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching. In other words, you knew me. You knew my character. You knew who I was. You knew what I was capable of. And you did not seize me then, but the scripture must be fulfilled. Then they, all, then they all forsook him and they fled. Now notice what verse 51 and 52 says, because this identifies another person in this scene. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young, man, the young men laid hold of him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now, you have to ask your, yourself the question, who is this? Who is this person and why was he following Jesus? Why was he naked? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire this to be placed in the gospel of Mark? What is the significance of this? Well, I believe when you understand the geographical location of the Garden of Gethsemane, you'll find that, at, that it was uh, close to the Mount of Olives and immediately in front of the Mount of Olives was a cemetery. Somebody say cemetery. It was a cemetery. Now, in every time that the words linen, linen cloth is mentioned in the Bible, it is always in reference to a grave. 
it's always in reference to someone uh, being laid to rest with the linen cloth wrapped around them. Are you following me? Now, Jesus was in the garden, which was close to this cemetery. And when the soldiers came and they said, he asked them, who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth was their response. He said, I am he. When he made that statement, the soldiers, three to four hundred of them, along with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, and the elders, they all went flying backwards. But that's not all that the power of God did that day. Because this young man was dead in the, in the grave. And you say, well, I, now I don't know about that. Well, Jesus stood in the, in the 11th chapter of John. He stood in front of Lazarus' tomb, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. What happened? He came forth. So do you believe Jesus can raise the dead? Amen. Amen. So here's this young boy. He probably had parents that taught him about the Lord. Taught him, you know, that Jesus was the, was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Savior. And so he had that understanding, but yet he was dead. He was dead. But when Jesus made that statement, I am he, I believe that the ground beneath that coffin began to shake. And I believe that the lid flew off of that thing. The headstone fell to one side. The dirt came flying off. And that young boy was raised from the dead. Why else would the Bible say that he came with a linen cloth, that's all he had on, and when the soldiers went to grab him, he left the linen cloth behind and he fled from them naked. Now, either he, uh, either you believe this account or you must believe that he was a lunatic because nobody runs around with a linen cloth in public. Amen. I mean, anybody in their right mind. I choose to believe that the explosive power of God raised that boy from the dead. And it says that he followed Jesus because you cannot experience a miracle or a, a supernatural occurrence in your life from God and not know where it came from. Amen. If, you're, if you have a disease in your body and you are praying and you're believing God for healing and you're standing on the Word and you're confessing the Word and you're doing everything that you know to do according to the Word of God and all of a sudden your body responds to that and receives its healing, there's no way that you will not give God credit for that. Because you know who did it. You know where that healing, you know where that explosive power came from to rid your body of that disease. This boy 
when he was raised from the dead, when he experienced that miracle and life came back into his body, his spirit returned to his, to his flesh, he instantly remembered the teaching of his parents. Now, this is, I, this is what I believe. I can't prove it with the Bible. But he had to have some understanding of Jesus because it says he followed him. Amen? He followed Jesus. So he had to have some understanding of who Jesus was. And when that miracle transpired in his life, when, when he experienced that, immediately the Spirit of God quickened. That came from God. That came from Jesus. And so... Uh, he came out of that tomb, or he came out of that ground, and, and, and he came, and he was following Jesus, and the soldiers tried to chase him off, and they tried to grab him, and he fled, left, left the linen cloth. That's what I'm talking about tonight, explosive power. And we have that same power resident on the inside of us. Amen. Jude 20 says, building up yourself, brethren, on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Building up yourself. Getting ready for that explosion to occur. Getting ready to release the manifestation of God's power in your life. How do we do that? By building ourselves up. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't know why it is, but many spirit-filled people claim to be spirit-filled, but yet speaking in tongues or praying in tongues or ministering to the Lord in tongues comes as a second option. It's not. If we want power with God, we have to stay built up in the Holy Ghost. And the way we do that is by our prayer language, by praying, by ministering to the Lord in other tongues. How many in this room are, are, are filled with the Spirit and you speak with tongues? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's, that's just about everyone. That's great. John chapter 1 says, Jesus came unto his own, verse 12, and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he what? Power. power, explosive power to become the sons of God. The word sons there in the Greek uh, is, uh, means mature sons. It's the Greek word weos, and it means mature sons. Sons who not only are filled with the oil, but also filled with the wine. The explosive power of God. Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. He said, when we are praying in the Spirit, faith is in evidence. When we are praying in the Spirit, faith is in evidence. And as a result, the power of God is released in our midst. What triggers the power of God? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues, ministering to the Lord. Hallelujah. Building up yourself. Paul said, I would that all of you spoke with tongues. All of you had the ministry of tongues. 
not so much the gift of tongues. You know, the, the gift of tongues is good for the edification of the body. But the ministry of tongues is for one's self-edification. And that's what Paul was talking about. I would that you all spoke with, you all had the ministry of tongues. And if you're filled with the Spirit, we do. Amen? Amen. We have the ministry of tongues inside of us. But you know the Holy Spirit is not going to force us. He's not going to force us to minister to the Lord. He's not going to force us, you know, uh, to come to church. He won't force you to pay your tithe. He won't force you to fellowship. He won't force you to pray. He won't force us to do anything. Right? It's up to us. It's up to you and I to activate him and his power through our tongue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please, this time. And and I just feel, it's really not the end of the message, but I just feel like we need to pray. And if if you're here and you've been struggling in any uh, part of your life with uh, releasing or yielding to the Holy Spirit, it's just as easy. It's just as easy. And, And we want to help you do that tonight. And so if you're here and you would like, If you would like for us to pray with you and get that release in your spirit, I'll tell you, there's nothing like it. I I, I like to just, I ride motorcycle. I like to get out on my bike, and I I like to just just minister to the Lord. Not my hands raised, of course, but uh, I, I like to just minister to the Lord in other tongues. Oh, what refreshing, what rest. This is the refreshing and this is the rest wherewith I will cause the weary to rest. With stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. That's the rest. That's the refreshing. Praise God. So if you're here tonight, you need that release. You just need a a jump start uh, to to get back on track with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Why don't you just make your way down and uh, let, let me just agree with you. I won't embarrass you. I just want to agree with you and pray with you. Set my faith in motion with yours. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I believe that every single day of our life that we need to minister to the Lord in other tongues. If we, if, if we call ourselves spirit-filled believers, then we need to exercise that gift in that ministry that the Lord has given to us. The second greatest gift of all time that God has ever given to the church is the person of His Spirit. And He has come to live, take up residence in us. He's in there. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's there to give you joy and peace. He's there to reiterate God's love for you. He's in there uh, to give you direction in life, to help you make wise decisions and wise choices in life. He's just a constant companion if you'll learn to trust him. You'll learn to just yield to him. Praise God. I can't tell you the amount of times that that, that we have depended on the Holy Spirit for things that otherwise we would have been shipwrecked had it not been for the Holy Spirit. So listen to that still small voice on the inside of you. Amen. Because he'll never tell you. He'll never lead you 
uh, the wrong way and he'll never tell you to do the wrong thing. He'll confirm the word to your heart. Amen.